join Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 3 million members. You can win up to 25 times your money by picking more or less. Download the app today and use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. New Year's is now in the rearview mirror. By now, some of the excitement about our New Year's resolutions may be dying down, much like my excitement for Chelsea Football Club as we get further and further into the season. If you're looking for performance apparel that can help give you the extra push you need to keep up with your health goals, Viore has you covered. Viore creates incredibly versatile and comfortable activewear designed to look great in everyday life in and out of the gym, or in my case, on or off the tennis court. Plus, Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint by offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 and beyond. They are utilizing better sustainable materials for their products, empowering your best active life. With Viore, you can feel good about the things you buy and also how they are made. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash MIB. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash MIB. Not only Will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any US orders over $75 and free returns? Trust me, go to viore.com slash MIB and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. What advice would you have to a six-year-old Lindsay? <laughs> if you could go back in time, is there anything you'd say to her? I would probably tell her to be a little more outgoing. Stop being so shy and sitting like over there by yourself. Be who you want to be and in soccer and outside. Be a tiny bit more selfish, also. Yeah, exactly. Shoot a bit more. Yeah, shoot. Stop passing, for My God's goodness. sake. My goodness, don't give assists. <laughs> Just go yourself. Welcome back to Men in Blazers American Legend Series. This is episode three, presented by Budweiser. The World Cup kicks off. In just over, I love this, 24 hours, bring it on. If that doesn't give you the tingling, you're not alive, friendo. This episode should get you there, though. I was genuinely excited to spend some time in Santa Barbara with Lindsay Horan and hear her story because, well, I believe the United States will go as she goes. Win, and Lindsay will become a national breakout star this is her story. You can also hear those of Alex Morgan and the remarkable Crystal Dunn at meninblazers.com. Spread the word about this series, please. It really helps us grow our coverage of the women's game. And right now, nothing is more important to me. Without more ado, though, Lindsay Horan. It's a genuinely giddy delight to sit here with my next guest, one of the most dominant footballers in the American game, female or male. She's not only such a complete omnipotent force, but success is an inspirational story. One born of fearless big dreams and the real life understanding that it takes hard work, tenacity, sacrifice and fearless risk taking, oh, especially fearless risk taking, to make those dreams come true. From Golden, Colorado, at the base of the front range of the Rocky Mountains via your mighty Portland Thorns, it's a joy to sit here and drink a bud or two. Oh, with the great Haran, Lindsay Haran. Thank you. It's a joy to be with you, Lindsay, straight off the bat, full disclosure. I love people who have dreams, but the people I most admire in the world 
are the people who have the courage to make those dreams come true. Tell me, what was your dream that you had since you were a little girl? My biggest dream was to be a part of the US women's national team. Ever since you watched Mia Hamm dominate all comers, what was it about her in particular that stood out in an early age? She was a true born goal scorer. I think she did anything she possibly could to be around the goal, to, to score goals and show herself. And she was a very like humble athlete as well, setting the standard for the US and what it means to be great and be a good person. But there is a photo of young Lindsay Horan out there in your childhood bedroom. You know the one that I'm talking about with messy paraphernalia everywhere. Can you describe it? Embarrassing. Messi's obviously my idol. My whole room is messy photos, pictures, Posters, jerseys. Jerseys. Yeah. There's a big Barca flag. I get crap for it all the time. There's a quilt. Yeah, of course Ma there is. Made out of what? Messi. <laughs> made out of messy cut up shirts. Granted, it's got a Justin Timberlake concert t-shirt as a center square. <laughs> Just, you know, to change it up a little bit. Whose idea was that? <laughs> Mine, I, I love that. Justin. Messy, messy, messy. Justin. Just the smallest hint of Justin. <laughs> but you were early to messy worshiping. A coach had told you right when the Argentinian had just broken through as a 16-year-old at Barca, you really need to watch that messy kid. When you watched him, what did you experience? Did it feel like your world was changing? Yeah, I think I watched something so special. I watched something I've never seen before, and he's this alien from a different universe, and you don't know how he does the things that he does. It's incredible, but also shows, you know, what's left out there that you can become. You've said that it made you commit to pushing your own self outside of your comfort zone to play with boys or older girls to ask for extra training. Once you realize that's kind of the highest level, that's the standard, Messi is the best player in the world, you know there's so much left <laughs> for me to become and to get better. So at that point, I was just like, you know, I want to be like him. I want to prove myself in the world. So training with boys, training with older girls, training as much as I possibly can, loving the ball, loving the game. I think, you know, in that moment that I saw Messi, I changed everything. Even at that age, you wanted to be special. I mean, like, I think it was always there, but I think there was people in my life that inspired me to really bring it out, and Messi was an idol of mine, so that's someone that brought it out, and also coaches and parents. Not everyone believed in you. When you were 14 or 15, a regional coach asked the whole team to name their dreams and goals for life. I love this, because you were so bold, you were so confident, you said... <laughs> I said I wanted to be on the U.S. Women's National Team, and he... It was almost like a smirk and giggle and just like, no, that's never going to happen. It was absolutely incredible that someone could say that. How did that feel? I was frustrated. I was upset. The rest of that training session, I was just so pissed off. And then after that, it was the biggest motivation. There's a common path for American players on the women's side. College, pro, fingers crossed, maybe an international call-up. Mm -hmm. But you had a different path, a different route. After being a starlet on youth national team, scoring 15 goals in 17 appearances for the under-17 team, helping the under-20 team reach the World Cup in 2012, you decided to forgo a college scholarship from the mighty North Carolina Tar Heels and move to Europe, to Paris Saint-Germain and go pro. Why? That was my dream. I think I grew up watching Messi in Barcelona and it was like, I want to play in that kind of culture, in that kind of environment. And going over to Europe at that time was the best football environment. And playing with some of the best players in the world, these highly experienced players that are from different countries and experiencing a new culture. <laughs> that was up here when I was thinking about college and pro. So it was like, 
I can't let that go. I can't pass that opportunity up. It was a special thing for me. On the men's side of the game, you're essentially setting out to live every boy's dream. It's what we aspire to for our male players, to test themselves in the crucible of European play. But here in America, for women's players, when you decided to do that, it was seen by many to be a little bit crazy. It's not the path that we all know. I think the first female that turned pro at that age and passed up college, I think it's giving other female athletes the opportunity to go do that or know that that's an opportunity and so many male athletes can do it. So I think a lot of people are just like, wow, you're going to pass up a full ride scholarship, all this money and education. Yeah, like I, <laughs> I, I completely get that. Like I know what I'm getting myself into and I had my parents making sure that I know what I'm doing but letting what, me have the decision. What did they say? My dad was very... Paris Saint-Germain will always be there. <laughs> my dad was just like... UNC, 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 college. It was a lot I was passing up, but at the very end, he was just like, you know, it's your decision to make. And my mom was very supportive in it all. And I don't think a lot of parents would have done that. Because they knew, ultimately, that your goal in life since you were a little kid yeah. was to make that a reality. You were 18 years of age. I mean, had you been abroad? Had you lived abroad before? I had been abroad for, like, youth national team trips or regional trips. But I was very, like independent and I like traveling and I think I was I was okay like being on my own. Did so, you speak the language, the French? God no. But over time I had to. I can't imagine in Paris we think it's glamorous, as chic. Yeah. It's intimidating as hell like. Mm -hmm. What was the reality like? Because you were so young. Were you lonely? Did professional athletes get homesick? Yeah. I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize. You see it as oh my gosh it's PSG, it's this prestigious club. She has everything. She's playing pro, loving everything and I'm just like you have no idea that it's a pro life now, like this is your job. Every performance, every training session, you're competing to start over the weekend. You don't have your family, you don't have your friends, you don't speak the, the language. Network. It's what I wanted to do ultimately, so, but it was very difficult as an 18 year old. Question from a listener at Shawmore 2020. How did playing abroad at such a young age when you were still developing as a player, how did it affect your playing style? Learning from a different culture, learning from a very technical and tactical football style. My coaches and, and the players I was with, very intelligent players and the way they played, the way they moved the ball, the way they loved the ball, that was very important and that's what I loved. So I think being able to play like that with better caliber of players, I got to learn the ins and outs of that and develop at such a young age and mature at such a young age, because I had to. <laughs> you know, all these girls, they demanded that and I had to grow up. 46 goals in 58 games for PSG and an experience which really, really made you grow. You've said it made me grow really quickly. It pushed me to the limits of what I could handle. On the field, off the field, the French culture is so different. It's very difficult for them to really form like a care about the player and show it in ways that we do here in America where we try to be more positive and for them it's kind of like if you don't get this done, get out. And you're in a professional environment. You need to perform at all times. So. That was one thing that was very difficult. What did you learn about life? I learned from older players. I learned so much about how they cared about the game and how they cared about themselves and how they approached the game and approached each training session. And some of the more experienced players, and one I absolutely love, Caroline Sager, so many times I would get down on myself or have bad days, bad weeks, bad months. Bad years for me. Yeah. <laughs> it came back to like, why are you here? Why are you doing this? And why are you playing football? And it's the love of the game. It's when I first became passionate about it. And I think that's the biggest thing I learned is besides all this nonsense and like all these people saying this, this, the way you're playing, all, like you love the game and it all comes back to that.
Did you also learn that a different life path can absolutely be the right one? Hell yeah. <laughs> it's such a risk and sacrifice and I was scared that it wasn't going to work out. And soon I finally was just like, I mean, I need to stop. I know what I'm here doing. I know that I want to be a professional soccer player and play on the national team and it's going to work out for me. That's why I really admire you and your life story because I just read a Canadian study that talked about how girls are exponentially more afraid of failing and so taking risks is rarer for them than it is for boys. And we also know that failing and taking risks are really the only way to get stronger. Do you believe in a way that the imperfectness, the challenge of your French footballing experience has to some degree led to your own power? Absolutely. I think it made me mentally as strong as I could possibly be, player and person. I had to grow up as quick as possible because I'm dealing with Girls that are in their 30s, late 20s, have so much experience, and here's this 18-year-old American. So I had to grow up and learn. You're in Paris ahead of the last World Cup, waiting for a call-up that never came, partially because you weren't playing in America, so you're right. off the grid in terms of American scout radars, partially because of an injury. So you had to watch the US women win the 2015 World Cup, your childhood dream as a spectator. Honestly, what was that like for you? I hated every bit of it, to be perfectly honest. I think I went to one game in Canada. I went to the Sweden-US game. I was there for warm-ups, and I just started bawling. I was just like, I don't want to be here. I hate every bit of this. I want to be out there, and I was miserable sitting and watching. Oh, <laughs> so. America. I mean, I, I think about that story, and I think about just your tenacity and your masochism, because to drive up to Canada, to watch that team in the semi-finals, so close to glory. No wonder you cry. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> but I got to watch my teammates and I got to watch where I wanted to be. And it was a very life-changing moment for me. And that's now motivation for you. Yeah, That absolutely. feeling, that feeling you felt watching him in warm-ups. Yeah, I never wanted it again. <laughs> you moved back to Portland in 2016 to join the Mighty Thorns, oh, a powerhouse team in a football-mad community. The team last season drew an average of 17,653 fans. To start you, that is more than 15 NBA teams, 13 NHL teams, wow. one Major League Baseball team. It is magnificent yeah. to watch a Thorns game. What are they doing that's right, Lindsay? I think our city helps us so much. I think we have such a football culture and style city, and the support we get, the fans that we get, they help drive this club to be better and to provide more and to be a professional organization. And so we are setting the standard of, you know, what it should be, the fans that we should have for all these women's teams. Why isn't it like that in other cities for the women's game? Because it is astonishing. When you watch a Thorns game, it is beautiful. Right. The energy, the, this, the packed terraces. Also in contrast, in other cities, it's really just a taste of what could be. Obviously, we're so thankful that we have that in Portland, but we want that everywhere else. We want every NWSL team to have that. And I think a lot of it is just exposure and the fans not knowing these teams well. And the clubs just need to do a little bit more to express how important these games are and who the players are. And we hope that as time goes on and this league gets better and better, that there'll be more fan turn up in these cities. When you watch the images of Juventus, 39,000 fans cheering on a club game against so Fiorentina. Cool. When you're watching Madrid, 63, 64,000 for club so games. Cool. What do you feel inside? I was so jealous. Absolutely incredible because my time at PSG was nothing like that. I knew all these European teams and no one would go to the game. Like Sometimes our PSG games, we'd get 
less than a thousand. And now like the game is growing so much. I would love to have that here and the atmosphere. It was like a men's game. They weren't just there like watching. They were singing, they're chanting. That's amazing. Here's hoping it's a glimpse of the future. Yeah. May oh, so much more follow its lead in the years to come. But at the Thorns, your players evolved and then some. You were once a forward, you're now a midfielder, really a five-tool player who can hurt opponents in so many ways with a pass, a run, you're an aerial threat, you've got a wolf blitz, a cannon of a foot. <laughs> when you express yourself on the field, the real you, Lindsay Horan, how would you describe your style of play? This is my love, this is my life, is football. So when I'm in a game, I think everything comes out of me and I try to express myself. Are you a naturally confident person, Lindsay? That's come with time. As a young girl, I was never a confident person. When I started playing soccer, confidence came out more. And in the past, I've had a few problems, like before the Olympics. You know, I kind of lost my starting spot. It wasn't because of my play, it was just my head. After that experience, my confidence just kind of had to be built back up, and now I really know how to deal with it. How do you do it? What's the secret? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> There's no real secret. It all comes within. I think there's a lot of people in Portland that have helped me, teammates. But really, it has to come with you telling yourself, I'm on this team for a reason. I'm one of the best players in the country, and that's why Jill is putting me on these rosters. That's why she's bringing me into camp. I need to come in and be confident. And it's also like, my goodness, you love this game. Don't have any regrets. This World Cup, it is going to be the deepest of all time. It's going to outstrip competitively all those that have come before. Do you agree with that? Yes. All these other teams have grown so much, and you see it with club teams, you see it with national teams. Some of the teams we've faced in the past few months, you've seen how much they've grown and their football getting better and better and physically getting better and better. So I think this will be one of the most competitive World Cups of all time, and I think that's exciting and exciting for us. It doesn't trigger doubt. No. It just fires up the competitor inside it. It's a huge challenge for us, but I think that's what makes the U.S. the U.S., the mentality. And, and we want a bigger challenge. It will make everything that much more sweet if we go out and win this. So That's the ethos of this team. Yeah. Bring it on. Yeah. We sit here as we're on the cusp of representing the United States at a World Cup, making a dream that you've harboured since you were a kid oh, come true. When you're so close to that moment, the one you've been dreaming about since you first kicked a ball, what exactly does that feel like? This is my lifetime dream. I sit back and look at that little girl that had this dream at such a young age. It's so special, it's so exciting, and I want to do everything for that little girl that had this dream. I'm going to go out and be my absolute best for myself and for my team. On the 11th of June, you, Lindsay Haram, will take to the field against Thailand at Rheims, France, in World Cup play. <laughs> The national anthem will play. You'll put your hand on your heart. Your whole life has been about football. Asking yourself, what do I need to do to be a pro? What do I need to think to be an elite player? What emotions do you expect to experience? Oh, I will 100% cry. That's inevitable. Most of the time during a national anthem, that's my very emotional moment. I think that's you know, it's, it's like real, you're out there on the field, you're playing in front of all these fans, and this is everything that you've wanted to do. So I think going into that Thailand game, it's gonna be the exact same thing. I will be an emotional wreck, and I will just be so honored and thankful and grateful that I'm there and I'm representing my country, my family, my friends, Golden Colorado. Will there be some relief when you think about all that sacrifice you've made, Lindsay, that it's all been worth it? Being on this team, going into the World Cup, that's everything I've been striving to do. And 
remembering how hard that decision was going to Paris and then making another decision to come back to the U.S. and play with this team. All those huge decisions and sacrifices and risks, it's like, this is all worth it now. This is the place I want to be. I'm playing at the highest level in the highest level tournament for women's soccer. You had Lionel Messi all over your bedroom walls and he inspired you on your posters, your pillows, your bed covers. Your dreams came true. What's your message to all the young listeners who've got Lindsay Horan posters all over their bedroom? <laughs> Just loving the game or loving whatever you do and doing whatever you can for that thing. Keep loving it and don't let anyone else take that love from you. And what advice would you have to a six-year-old Lindsay <laughs> who is about to begin a journey where you sacrifice so much yeah. in the pursuit of her dreams, your dreams? If you could go back in time, is there anything you'd say to her that could equip her, help her along that grinding journey? I would probably tell her to be a little more outgoing, stop being so shy and sitting like over there by yourself. I think I was always a very shy individual that was afraid of expressing myself and that didn't come until I, I started playing soccer. So I think I would tell her, you know, be who you want to be and in soccer and outside. Be a tiny bit more selfish also. Yeah, exactly. Shoot a bit more. Yeah, shoot. Stop passing, for My God's goodness. sake. My goodness, don't give assists. Just go yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lindsay, I want to finish with a toast. I raise my bud to you, a role model to me, and more importantly, to millions of young Americans watching this US women's team take to the field. Your story is an inspiration. It's an encouragement to dream, to take risks in pursuit of those dreams and proof of all the hard work, the grind, and the sacrifice that it takes to make any dream a reality. To you, to your continued success, to American glory. Thank you. Oh, Lindsay Horan. You can tell why her nickname is The Great Horan. If you missed any of the previous episodes of the American Legend series, we also have a ton of content up with Brianna, Alex, Crystal Dunn on meninblazers.com. Find it, listen to it, watch it, share it. Next up, just as the US kicks off its World Cup title defence, the inimitable Megan Rapino. Rate, review, subscribe, win. Courage. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or... You can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Okay, so if you had a time machine, how far mm -hmm. in time would you need to go back to be a dominant basketball player of that era? <laughs> I need to go to when Bob Cousy was playing. Back I would, in, in the plumber days? 27-year-old Shay would give Bob Cousy the f***ing business. <laughs> He's not guarding me. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the best. Each week, Shay and I are combing through all of the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling ones, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Six Trophies ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.